sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah, it's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to hang out with the good Andy, as he used to be called here in Las Vegas, Andy Isco, at VegasAndy711 on Twitter. We're going to talk some MLB. We're going to talk some NFL. You better believe it's that time of the year that we're going to start talking football just about every week right here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. There are lines, bettable lines, basically for anything you want to bet in the NFL right now. The savvy bettors are already taking advantage of this stuff. Check out tomorrow's show with Steve Fezzik. I'm going to talk NFL for the full hour. We're going to go through every game in week one of the NFL slate and talk about where the lines are moving, where they're going to be by kickoff, what bets you can lock in now. Serious bettors absolutely paying attention to football right here on Memorial Day weekend. That being said, I'm going to open up the show talking about some MLB and me and Andy are going to break down some MLB before we get to the NFL. So let me talk a little baseball right now. In particular, I want to talk about two teams in the AL East who just faced off against each other this past week. That's the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, Toronto won one game in that series. They won 20 to one. <laughs> it was 10 to one before Tampa decided to throw position players out there to pitch in the eighth and ninth inning. And Blue Jays scored 20, uh, 10 more runs the final two innings to make that game about as bad a beatdown as you'll ever see in MLB. And what did uh, Tampa do? They came back and won each of the next two games of the series. Right now, heading into the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, this is when the pennant races supposedly start to heat up. Right now, the Jays 37 and 15. If you bet on them in every game, you're not rich because they're chalking every game. Even though they're 22 games over 500, they're only plus eight units, a little more than plus eight units for the season. The Jays, 26 and 25 right now. They're minus four units for the season, or minus 4.2, depending, you know, I mean, in that range. So between the two, Tampa, who's been the best team in baseball, hyped right from the get go, huge winning streak to open the season. And Toronto, who's been nothing but a disappointment so far this year, playing 500 ball. The difference through 50-plus games for these two teams is only 12 units. It's not like the Rays are lapping the Jays right now. You know, Toronto's middle of the pack. And Tampa, of course, top five in profitability. They're 24-5 and five at home. They're 31-21 and 21 to the over, which I think speaks to why they've been winning. They've been hitting, <laughs> you know. And when you hit, you win games. They've gotten a lot of clutches, things that broke right for the Rays when it comes to their lineup so far this season. Toronto is only 26-23 and 23 to the over. They have a slight overbent, but they haven't been hitting, certainly not the way that Tampa has through the first 50 games of the campaign. So here we are, heading into Memorial Day weekend. And yet this stage of the season, I absolutely start to look at teams in MLB and say, this team's going to make me money, this team isn't. This team's going to make me money, this team isn't. When we look at these two teams, Tampa and Toronto, right now, which team are we going to make more money with over the next 110 games? Forget the next 110 games. Which team are we going to make money with over the next 30 games, say, 
you know, or between now and the All-Star break. Look, the Rays don't have the better, uh, better lineup of these two teams. They've been hitting. But when you go up and down Toronto's lineup, that is a murderer's row. You have to think that at some point, more than one Jays offensive player is going to be hot at the same time. This team will hit. <laughs> All right. When you look at Team ERA right now, Tampa, number two in baseball, the Jays are outside the top dozen. When we look at these two pitching staffs, you say, well, there's no huge difference between the two. I'm not going to call Tampa's the elite staff and Toronto's a mediocre or worse. When you go through player by player, these pitching staffs grade out fairly evenly. So Toronto is a better lineup. The pitching staffs are comparable. Who's going to make money? It's not like Tampa staff is ace after ace after ace. You know, their bullpen has been really good and continues to be really good and may well be really good all year. Maybe. <laughs> but I don't think Toronto's all that much far behind. When you ask which of these two teams we can make money with moving forward, for me, Toronto's the clear choice. Look, they come into the weekend, they're 6-15 and 15 against the AL East. Last year, they went 43-33 and 33 against the AL East. So that 6-15 and 15 mark against their divisional rivals, you have to think that's going to improve. I think it's going to improve. The Rays are a modest 13-8 and eight in division. They've been good, not great. But when we look at Tampa, I mean, honestly, they feasted on the week. They feasted on the week from the AL Central. They feasted on the week from the AL West. When we look at strength of schedule year to date, Jays top three in terms of toughest schedule so far. I got number three and Tampa number 23 in terms of toughest schedule. The Rays remaining schedule ranks number six, so they will have to step up in class. So right now, in general, not in any given game, but in general, I'm looking for spots to bet on a team like Toronto that's underachieved. That's likely to improve. In general, I'm going to look for spots to bet against Tampa Bay, a team that has already made their backers money and certainly has overachieved early in the season. But of the two, I think Toronto being bet on, there's potential there, legit potential there for Toronto Blue Jays. Now, we talk about the San Diego Padres. Well, that's a different story. Perhaps uh, Padres, I think their issues may well be ongoing. Tampa, okay. Toronto, bet on. San Diego, not so much. We'll see what Andy Isco thinks when coverage continues after this brief commercial message. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So I've been doing, what, two shows a week for the Sports Grid Radio Network since, I think, the start of 2021. Uh, I've worked with Sports Grid before then, but this has been covered with Teddy Cover. has been around, I think, since, the very, uh, since January 2021. And in general, most of my shows, an hour-long show, uh, and most of the shows tend to be one sports. In football, I'll do one show focused on college football, one show focusing on the NFL and basketball season, one show on college hoops, one show uh, on the NBA. When it comes to this time of the year, however, it's not always so easy to have one topic. And I want to talk some MLB with Andy Isco today, but today is going to be a two-sport day. We're going to talk some baseball, and we're going to talk some NFL football. NFL always on center stage, (laughs) 
Andy Isco, welcome to the program. Thank you for agreeing to talk multiple sports with me on Cover It with Teddy Covers this week. It's always a pleasure, Teddy. Uh, of course, this time of the year, baseball is really uh, the focus of attention. We're almost between a third and a quarter of the way through the uh, season, and so we've got a lot of information to work with. Uh, NFL always is a subject that can be discussed, but at certain points of the year, and this is one of those times, maybe a little bit too much information has put out there, a lot of speculation. And as we get closer, we go through the OTAs and we go into training camps, we can have more meaningful observations about what we can expect. Right now, I think a lot of the uh, hesitation, there's a lot of hesitation in what we can forecast for, uh, uh, for, the, for the NFL and college football as well. We get a little bit more certainty or a little bit more stability as time goes on and uh, you know you, there are always two sides to the equation if you make wagers now on those future markets or propositions you're probably going to get the best numbers for the most part at the same time if you wait for more certainty as to the information is available as we get closer to the start of the season the numbers probably aren't going to be as attractive but at the same time when you make those wagers you're probably going to feel much more confident than when you do right now I feel pretty confident in the NFL right now. I'm looking forward to having some discussion. I'm beginning to make my very first NFL wagers. We'll make a good handful of them over the course of the next week or two for sure. But let's start our focus with MLB because here we are. Let's call it the one-third point of the season. We're about 50 uh, or 52 games in. There's about 110 games left. Give me one or two surprises for you that you think are primed to keep surprising. Teams that have either overachieved or underachieved so far that may well continue to do that. For me, I mean, a team that stands out to me is the San Diego Padres, is underachievers, and I'm not convinced San Diego's going to flip that switch and turn it around anytime soon. If you're looking for me, for one team that stands out as an underachiever early that may well continue to underachieve, Padres, both hitting, the starting pitching, the bullpen, all three of them have dramatically underachieved this season. I'm not convinced it's going to get any better anytime soon. Who stands out to you, Andy, as a team primed to keep surprising one way or the other, either to good or to the bad? Well, I'm going to take a look at the Texas Rangers uh, as a team that is surprising well. And actually, I'm not quite sure if they'll be able to keep up uh, their pace. I do like what I've seen, but I'm going to say they are more likely to keep up their pace than a team uh, that I can talk about next, which is a team that has also started surprisingly well, but I think may fade a little bit. Texas was one of the weakest offensive teams in the majors, I think, in the 2021 season. They didn't improve all that much uh, uh, last year. Uh, but what they've done this year, uh, they've, they've really uh, won with a lot of, of offense, but it's their pitching as well that has been somewhat of a surprise. In fact, I've liked their bullpen, but their starting pitching, if you look at the, uh, the pitchers this year, they've had a total of seven pitchers who have made at least one start. Only one of them has made exactly one start. The others have made four or more. All four of those pitchers have ERAs of 4.12 or less. They've got whips, which is walks and hits per innings pitched, uh, or essentially base runners per inning. Uh, five of the um, five of the six are at uh, 1.21, which is on borderline of really, really good uh, or, or lower. Only one, uh, one of those pitchers is um, uh, Martin Perez, who has pitched decently. He's at slightly under 1.5, so he's really been the weakest pit starting pitcher there. Uh, the, the big surprise on that staff, and he's had 
signs of, uh, of of brilliance in the past, but it hasn't been all that consistent. It's Nate Evaldi. He's pitched with the Yankees, pitched with the uh, uh, with the Red Sox. Uh, he's been outstanding. He actually is allowing under one base runner per inning, ERA of just under 2.6. But what I really like about him in this era of not relying so much on starting pitching, he's averaging 6.9 innings per start in his 10 starts. So you put that together with a bullpen that has pitched very well. A lot of it has to do because you've got a lot of these starting pitchers. In fact, uh, all of the, uh, the pitchers who have made those four or more starts, all six of those starters are averaging uh, over five innings per start, uh, which means that the bullpen is being relied upon less uh, right now, which means as we get into the deeper day, days of the season, say you know, August and September, their bullpen, if they continue to perform, if the starters continue to perform as they have so far, the bullpen will be less, less taxed and fresher than bullpens that have had to have a lot of use, say, in the first four months of the season. So I like what I've seen out of Texas. I like their lineup. Even a guy like Jacob deGrom is, has pitched decently, although he's injured, which is no big surprise. He's only made uh, six starts this year, uh, but he's been putting up some very solid numbers, especially in keeping runners off base. And although it's a limited sample size of just uh, uh, six starts and about 30-something innings, strikeout-to-walk ratio of 11.2 to 1. And that's one of the things I really like also when evaluating pitchers because the strikeout-to-walk ratio, when you get something that high, it means that you're really striking out a lot of pitchers, but of, of batters. But more importantly, you're not walking that many. You're not giving those free passes. Sandy Isco says the Texas Rangers, a team right now with the most runs scored per game in MLB and the highest run differential per game in MLB, two of the stats that the advanced metric guys love to look at. He says Texas, their hot start isn't going anywhere. The Rangers primed to make their backers money here into the summer months. What about a team that's under it, that uh, has uh, struggled early on that you think is going to likely to continue to struggle? Give me a team like that uh, that is not necessarily going to regress to the mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, it, it's really difficult for me to look at teams that have struggled uh, that I expect to continue struggling because we don't know what moves will be made at the trade deadline. Usually teams that uh, are struggling but are good teams, like, for example, a team like St. Louis. You know, they've got a solid lineup, very average starting pitching, one of the more disappointing pitchers. I think we'll talk about those pitchers uh, uh, shortly. Jack Flaherty, uh, you know, is supposedly the best pitcher, but he struggled for a couple of seasons. But a team like St. Louis, they always seem to be in the thick of the race come uh, late August uh, and into and through September. They're struggling right now a little bit below 500, although they have played better of late. And this is a team that has made acquisitions in the past. Their bullpen was really bad at the start of the season. It's improved somewhat over the last month or so. So that's a team that I think will be able to overcome its slow start because of the fact that they have a history of doing so in recent years. Now, a team that may have some difficulty uh, performing similarly, and there's a little caveat there, is Philadelphia. You, know, you go back a year ago at uh, this time, they were basically uh, at the, about the same record 
record that they are right now, somewhat below 500. And then, of course, uh, in June, I think they were still at or below 500 when they began their tremendous second run, made it uh, into the playoffs, winning the National League pennant, and you know going to the World Series where they uh, they fell to Houston. But uh, I'm not so sure that they have the makeup of this team that they had last year. The one positive about the Phillies is that Bryce Harper has come back much earlier than expected. He was originally thought to perhaps be out until the All-Star break. On the other hand, Reese Hoskins, who was such a vital part of their offense last year, he's been out for the season with an injury. He's not going to return until uh, until next year. I'm not thrilled with their starting pitching, even Aaron Nola, who is acknowledged as... Uh, More on the Phillies with Andy Isco when we come back. Cover It continues after this brief commercial message. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Covered with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159. My guest today, Andy Isco. And Andy, you were breaking down the Philadelphia Phillies before the break. Philadelphia, a sub-500 team right now. And you say they might stay there for a while. Talk to me about Philadelphia. Yeah, as I was getting set to allude to, uh, the caveat is that uh, their performance right now is at about the same level that their performance was last year at this time. And, of course, they went on to win the uh, make the playoffs, win the National League, and then fall to Houston in the World Series. But keep in mind, they had Reese Hoskins last year as a significant part of their offense. He's out for the entire season. He got injured and won't be back until next season. They did get Bryce Harper back uh, much sooner than expected. He was originally expected to perhaps be out as long as the All-Star break, which at the time he came back was two months away. Uh, the um, other concern is with the pitching. Aaron Nola, the supposed ace of the staff, uh, has really been struggling, and as he gets a year older, it becomes more and more uh, likely that he won't be able to retain uh, his prior form uh, with any sort of consistency. So that's one of the reasons uh, that uh, uh, I think Philadelphia will continue to struggle, although there is a team I think that might struggle even though they are playing extremely well right now. And which team is that, Andy? That's a team that I've actually backed a lot this year. Uh, by the way, let me go back and just mention that we talked about the Texas Rangers. Their season win total was 80 and a half, so clearly they have exceeded expectations so far. They're on a pace to win uh, over 100 games. So is the team that I think may start to regress a little bit, and that's the uh, Baltimore Orioles that I've played very well uh, often this year. This is a team that uh, won 52 games in 2021. They had a remarkable resurgence last year, 2022, increasing by an unbelievable 60% from the previous year, going from 52 to 83 wins. That's as significant a jump as I can recall. And usually the old common thread is um, if you if you improve by that much, you often regress the next year. Well, right now, Baltimore has shown no signs of that with their record that has them right now on a pace of well over 100 wins. Their season win total was actually uh, posted at 79 and a half, which uh, 
uh, indicated an, an expected slight regression from those 83 wins of last year. Uh, they've done it with a, a very solid bullpen, uh, but as I mentioned earlier, the um, uh, teams that uh, benefit from uh, early bullpen uh, use often ended, end up uh, uh, performing well, but those that struggle with bullpen use early, even if they perform well, uh, will often run out of gas uh, late as far as uh, uh, their usage is concerned. And when you look at Baltimore, they've had a total of six pitchers making starts this year. All but one of those pitchers, uh, that's uh, Cole Irvin, the guy who's uh, injured right now, used to be on uh, Oakland. Uh, he's made only three starts. All the other five starters, Gibson, Kramer, Bradish, Rodriguez, and uh, Tyler Wells, uh, have made uh, those starts. And of those four, just lo of those uh, uh, five, looking at the raw numbers, only T Tyler Wells has an ERA of less than 3.8. Uh, the others are all between uh, the mid-fours up to uh, Rodriguez, the, the youngster. Uh, he's over six right now. And the whips that I mentioned before, walks and hits for innings pitch, basically base runners. Uh, Wells has performed the best, .92, which is excellent. In fact, it's better than excellent. The others are all in the uh, mid-130s to as high as uh, uh, 1, 1. 1.6, which tells me uh, one other factor is that only uh, Gibson uh, and Wells uh, and and even Kramer are averaging over five innings per start. The others are, uh, the other couple are averaging 4.2, 4.7 uh, along those lines. Or, uh, sorry, 4.7 for both of them, Bradish and Rodriguez, which means that they've not been going deep into games, so they've had to rely a little bit more on the bullpen, which has performed well. But uh, those numbers of the starting pitching, combined with what I expect to perhaps be a taxed bullpen later in the year, tells me that Baltimore may indeed regress, and because they've been performing so well or up to this point, you know, one-third, you know, one-quarter of the way, they may continue at least probably for the next month or so to be overpriced and be a bet-against team, and then their record, uh, you know, they may end up still exceeding those 79.5 wins, but they've already accumulated much of what they need to do so in the first uh, uh, seven weeks of the season. So Baltimore, a team that's primed to come back to earth, I will say this. The worst team that I've ever, in 25 years in Vegas, the worst baseball team that I saw prior to this year's A's was the 2003 Tigers, a team that had to go on a winning streak the final week to finish 43-119. and 119. That was 2003. By 2006, the Tigers were playing in the World Series. So there is perhaps some hope for a team like Baltimore who was very bad and this year looks pretty good, at least so I, far. I would I would tend to agree with Baltimore. I was hoping when you talked about winning the World Series three year, uh, years later, you were not talking about this year's Oakland team, which could make the New York Mets of 62 look like world champions. And the Tigers, I believe, did not win the series that year. They lost to St. Louis. Or was it uh, Boston? It doesn't matter. They didn't win the World Series. <laughs> they couldn't well, lose the World Series. Making it to the World Series would be a significant yeah. accomplishment either way. To go from 43 wins to being in a World Series you know, that was in 03 and 06, they were in the World Series. Baltimore, the worst team in baseball as recently as 2019. There may be hope for the Orioles in that regard. Talk to me about starting pitching. One thing that I've done less and less, both on this show and in my baseball handicapping, is focusing on starting pitching. But there are a handful of pitchers that you want to talk about, guys who you think maybe an ace for a bad team, maybe a fifth starter for a good team, you know, you have your Shane Bieber's of the world, an ace, 
And the uh, Guardians are three and seven in his first 10 starts. You have his Alex Manoa's of the world, who's an ace, but he's not an ace anymore. He's getting lit up. Who stands out to you as a starter we want to be betting on and a starter we want to be betting against? Yeah, and I agree because the average starting pitcher is not going nearly as deep as they have in seasons past. It's not that I place less emphasis on starting pitching because I still do, especially as it translates into now making wagers for the first five innings of ball games as opposed to the full game. But looking at the full game possibilities, I still uh, or I still look at starting pitching, but I also factor in the current state of the bullpens much more than I would uh, in the past. So the fact that we've now had almost universal off of first five innings and sometimes even a little bit less than that. I used to use it mostly for totals, and I still do use it mostly for totals, but I find more plays coming up when I've got uh, good matchups now. Uh, we're doing this before the show on Friday, before the game on Friday night, but there's a matchup in Seattle, for example, uh, which has uh, a couple of pitchers who have really uh, been pitching uh, well. And let me just get over to my sheet there. Uh, Kirby it's the uh, matchup between Mitch, Mitch Keller of Pittsburgh and uh, Kirby of Seattle. What I like about the under, which is three and a half in this game, and hopefully it'll work, but it's just an example of what I look at and how I approach it, is that they are both averaging over six innings per start. So that's a rarity. So I'm basically saying if there's any consistency with these two pitchers, or at least one of them, but I'd hopefully both, these guys should take the bullpen out of it for the five innings that the, that the wager will be uh, decided upon. So looking at the, some of those pitchers, for example, I just mentioned uh, uh, Keller for uh, Pittsburgh. He's a pitcher that struggled last year, was not very impressive, and yet he's turned into one of the better pitchers this year. In fact, amongst my ratings, which uh, I apply to starting pitchers who have made uh, either 10 starts or more this year or have pitched at least 50 innings as a starter, he actually ranks number three uh, based upon his overall performance, 244 ERA, strikeout-to-walk ratio, 5.5. Uh, that whip of .99, that's excellent. So he's uh, by far and away the best pitcher on the Pittsburgh staff. Another pitcher hasn't put up those great numbers, but has been, uh, and, and by the way, Pittsburgh's 7-3 and three in his games. Um, you talked about uh, Shane Bieber, uh, who's been pitching, uh, pitching well this year, uh, but, not, uh, but not having the success because of his limited offense. Uh, another pitcher who's been struggling and has uh, been pitching better than his record would suggest, uh, Lucas Giolito of the White Sox, who had a, a poor year last year, uh, but at the same time uh, is, uh, is pitching well this year, but the White Sox are just 3-7. and seven. That's another team that uh, is not hitting well, so it's another pitcher that I would con consider for going uh, maybe for a first five innings with him, knowing that he's not likely to get much run support, but at the same time he's not going to rely on the bullpen to perhaps surrender, say, a, a 2-1 to one lead that he might have. There are also pitchers who uh, have done the re done the reverse, who have pitched poorly last year, or I'm sorry, pitched well last year. You mentioned Manoa. Dylan Cease is a, uh, another pitcher who is off to a, a poor start. Uh, when I look at these pitchers, uh, I, I take a look, for example, at their net profit and loss. Blake Snell made nine starts. Padres one and eight. He was a very solid pitcher last year. Max Scherzer of the Mets. Now, it's a little bit different because he's been laying big numbers and he's slightly profitable, but his numbers are down from last year, although he's only made uh, seven starts. Manoa, you mentioned before, uh, he's four, his Blue Jays uh, four and six. 
uh, minus uh, a little over three units, Lauer of Milwaukee, the same thing. But the one that comes to mind, and yet because they're such big underdogs, and the team is 5-5 five and five in his starts, and this was a kid we thought was had a breakout season last year, Brady Singer of Kansas City. Not a very good team, and yet in his 10 starts, they've won five, they've, they've gone 5-5. Five and five, But again, because of the fact that they've been a plus price in virtually all those games, there is plus almost half a unit uh, in uh, in his starts. Although again, he's one of those pitchers that has just under five innings per start, so uh, his numbers not uh, not good at all. In fact, ERA of roughly seven and a half. So, a lot of expectations. Not pitching as badly as uh, we would have expected. There would be a bit of a of a regression, but uh, he's another pitcher that normally I would have looked to been playing on. I'm going to have to give a big second thought because I don't think his success will continue if he keeps pitching at the level that he has. Andy Isco breaking down starting pitching in MLB. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus. A little bit of NFL discussion from Memorial Day weekend. Stay tuned. Coverage continues after this brief commercial message right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV. We're on your radio. We're on your phone. Go to Twitter and give us a follow at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, all on Twitter. You follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. You can follow today's guest, Andy Isco, the good Andy, on Twitter at VegasAndy711. Andy, we've broken down some MLB. We've talked about some starting pitchers. We've talked about some teams primed to regress and some teams primed to continue their surprising form. Let's talk a little NFL. It's never too early to talk NFL, especially because we have a maturing quickly NFL betting marketplace going right now. And when I asked you what you wanted to talk about in NFL, you said you wanted to talk about hype. You want to talk about underhype teams and overhyped teams. So where do you want to start? You tell me. You want to talk overhyped or underhyped first? Uh, either way is fine. Um, well, you get the pick. Could, I'll talk <laughs> with uh, maybe some of the teams that haven't been getting uh, the, the amount of attention. Oh, let's start with the overhyped teams because I think one of them uh, would be the, uh, the New York Jets. Uh, when you take a look at the Jets, they're over-under total nine and a half. This is a team that is getting a lot of hype because of what Aaron Rodgers is going to is expected to bring uh, to the franchise that showed uh, some improvement under Robert Sella's second season uh, last year. Uh, they play in a division where uh, they've got a couple of playoff teams in Miami and Buffalo still looking to uh, be as good, if not better, than last year. Uh, New England is a team that... Uh, you know, at at some point in time, you know, remember Bill Belichick was a uh, a great coach when he had Tom Brady. 
Uh, he wasn't as great a coach prior to that when he uh, was with Cleveland. Now, you can attribute some of that to, well, it was his first experience as a head coach, uh, but you can also attribute a lot of uh, what's happened post-Brady to suggest that uh, Belichick is making some challenges, uh, or facing some challenges that he's finding much more difficult than perhaps he and a lot of uh, folks expected. So I could certainly see uh, the Jets struggling this year. You know, they have yet to beat New England, even when the uh, post-Brady uh, Brady era. Uh, a lot is expected of them, but I also wonder how long it's going to take under real game conditions for Aaron Rodgers to feel comfortable with his offensive line and his uh, uh, receivers. The defense uh, is, is, is a solid defense, but again, they're playing in a division where they have to basically say, you know, if they're the third best team, that would be uh, you know, an improvement over the last couple of years. So I think there's a lot of hype there, and you take a look at their schedule, you know, they open up with uh, Buffalo on a Monday night. That may give us a little bit of an indication, as, and of course the Jets have had some success against Buffalo in recent years, but you know, the, on the national stage, uh, we may get a little bit of an idea of just how the Jets are going to perform uh, with Aaron Rodgers going up uh, an above-average Buffalo defense, even though it'll be uh, just one game. I'm not so sure that uh, you know, you're expecting the Jets to, to cash your over-ticket to win 10 games. Uh, they have the talent to do so, but again, they play in a tough division, not uh, not a great schedule. Um, they may have some difficulty uh, doing that as far as a team that I think is receiving uh, a lot of hype now. Maybe a team that's not receiving the kind of hype that I think it could, it, it may deserve. And again, it's somewhat of a speculation. There is Denver in the AFC West. Everyone, of course, recalls how they struggled last year, how Russell Wilson struggled, and I happen to think he's going to have a success season with Sean Payton now as the head coach. Uh, how much they can improve. Their win total is eight and a half, so even if they can go nine and eight, they would go over their total and exceed expectations, uh, keeping in mind that they play in a very difficult division where you've got Kansas City, arguably not just the best team in the AFC West, but maybe in the entire AFC and NFL. A Chargers team that uh, has a very solid roster and continues to uh, show improvement Movement uh, uh, with with their entire offense and defense. The coaching has come into question, but they've been able to uh, perform decently. And then our own Las Vegas Raiders, who. Uh, <laughs> I think that their hype has been more negative than uh, positive, and I can certainly understand if you take a look at the uh, Raiders' first six games this season, it's a very tough start for uh, for them. So I could see them having difficulty, and uh, that's why they're uh, over-under a win total. And I'm, I'm looking at the ones right now in front of me from the Westgate. When they opened back at uh, late April, Raiders were only 7.5. They're down to uh, uh, 7 right now. And I'm wondering, and when all is said and done, if uh, they uh, got much more, uh, if they're going to have better quarterbacking this year with uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who right now is injured but expected to be ready for the season, if they're going to get better quarterbacking than uh, with Derek Carr. I mean, he, he took a lot of the blame, but Derek Carr uh, was not responsible for blowing a lot of those double-digit leads that the Raiders had at halftime last year. So, an overhyped, potentially overvalued team is the New York Jets. An underhyped, potentially undervalued team is the Denver Broncos. I want to ask you about these two quarterbacks, though. Aaron Rodgers, stick a fork in him, or has he still got something left? And Russell Wilson, stick a fork in him, or does he still have something left? Of all the areas Denver didn't improve this offseason, boy, the offensive line stands out to me. 
I did my first look at the Broncos this past week, my first deep dive into the Broncos, and that offense to me looks every bit as bad as it did last year. Do you think it was Hackett? Or do you think that, uh, you know, is Peyton hungry and ready to work in Denver? Is he uh, fat and happy? Talk to me about the QB for the Jets and for the Broncos. I don't think either of them are um, washed up by any sense of the uh, word. I do think they're clearly towards the end of their respective careers, more so uh, Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, he's uh, certainly expressed the uh, desire or the uh, thought that he could play uh, several more years. I think he's, what, got two years with the Jets. I think he'll certainly do that, but I don't know what will happen behind him. They've got a nice young team, the Jets. And as I say, I think that the they may not start as quickly as a lot of people uh, might expect them to with Aaron Rodgers, but I think by midseason the Jets will be performing at a level that uh, would be indicative of what a lot of people expect. That's why I think this nine and a half may be a little bit too high. Uh, look, if the Jets start off three and one, four and two, something like that, maybe nine and a half will be too low. But I'm not, I'm not expecting that out of the uh, Jets initially. And as far as Russell Wilson goes and the Denver offensive line, I think a lot of the problems did have to go, uh, can be traced to, uh, to uh, Hackett uh, last season. Uh, you know, when I take a look at at that division. Um, I think there's a difference between Denver and the Raiders. I think last year the Raiders were considered the better team than the Broncos, and now I think it's switched around, and yet the Raiders have had success against the Broncos, and I think Denver will avenge some of those recent losses this year because I think they're more talented. And I think Russell Wilson, again, uh, he has you know decent mobility, and I think that Peyton, I think he's enthused to be back coaching because he did sit out that short period of time, and we've seen so many coaches when they get into the playoff, to, to the broadcast Booth, they stay there. What's Bill Cowher been there now? Almost uh, you know, 15, 18 years. Uh, just perhaps the most extreme example. John Madden, another one who went from uh, coaching a successful uh, coaching career, never left the booth, became extremely popular. And yet Sean Payton, I think, felt the itch. And I'm guessing also that Sean Payton, who got to observe all the teams last year uh, in his role as uh, as analyst. Um, must have seen something in the overall roster on Denver that said, I can be successful with this team. I can work with quarterbacks. I know we've got to deal with offensive line issues. But I th- and, and I had this discussion when I think last night on a show I did. And the coaches that I like are coaches that don't try to necessarily – put their system on the players that they're coaching, but rather design game plans, design systems around the talents of the players that they have. And I think Sean Payton will take a, has taken already a close look at Russell Wilson's strengths and weaknesses and be able to uh, – design with the players he has and make some additional moves, I think, during training camp to design a system that fits Russell Wilson's talents, which I think will also help the defense because that will translate into longer time of possession on drives on offense, taking less pressure off what's already a very good defense. We've got just a few minutes left here with Andy Isco. Andy, one more question I want to ask you about the NFL Last year at this time, it looked really clear to me that the Philadelphia Eagles had a transformative offseason. I bet the Eagles over their win total. Obviously, they went to the Super Bowl and almost knocked off Kansas City. Is there any team that stands out to you that has had a transformative offseason, a team that got way better or way worse than they were in 2022? Uh, Like I said, just a couple minutes left, so uh, let me know what you think. 
Well, it's interesting that you pointed out the Eagles because the Eagles were, at this time last year, a very fashionable futures pick for a lot of the uh, the big players, uh, the big futures players. So they sort of gave an indication before the start of the season, right around now, that there were a lot of good expectations about a Philadelphia team that uh, was expected to do uh, much better than the general consensus was. I think when I look at uh, similar teams this year, and often I'll take a look, we talked about one of them because the Super Bowl odds, for example, on the Jets dropped from 40 to 1 to 12 to 1, which I think is overreaction and would tend to indicate a transformative, but really it's based upon the acquisition of uh, of one player. Uh, when I take a look at some teams that might be able to make a decent run this year, I think a lot of it has to do also with the increased experience of the quarterback. I like what I'm seeing out of Chicago and uh, and Justin Fields, the, uh, uh, the, the third-year quarterback. There was a lot of discussion, where would he be on draft night? Well, he's still there. They've added some talent there. Uh, the rest of the vision, I was almost going to say Detroit, but they had a lot of pieces in place last year. Minnesota may be the preseason favorite. Green Bay expected to fall back. I think there's ground for uh, Chicago to uh, make a move. Their season win total, seven and a half, so it wouldn't take all that much for them to uh, show some improvement there. Uh, the Bears, um, they're Chances of making the playoffs, they're priced at plus 160, which indicates considerably more no than yes, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. It actually is going to, to me, depend upon how they perform against two teams that may be on the decline, Minnesota and Green Bay. Yeah, Minnesota, of the teams in that division, then in my mind, I'm not going to call the Vikings as someone that transformed, but Minnesota won 13 games last year. They ain't winning 13 games, <laughs> bringing back the same roster again this season, at least not in this better's opinion. Andy Isco, give me one bet. I don't care if it's an MLB bet or an NFL bet, and then talk about where people can find you and get your well, opinions. Well, until proven otherwise, I'm going to play the, I haven't played it yet, but I will over probably this weekend, the Kansas City Chiefs, over 11 and a half wins. Andy Reid, dating back to his days in Philadelphia and through his first decade in Kansas City, has a tremendous record in exceeding the season total. So they can go 12 and 5 on a 17-game schedule. We've got the over. Right now I'm seeing minus 120 to minus 130 on the over, and that's a very reasonable price for a team with that roster, especially the coach and quarterback combination. Chief says the team to beat. Look for them to go over the total. Andy Reid, I believe he's gone over the total every single year since he arrived in Kansas City. That is a certainly a record of excellence. Mr. Isco, where can people find you? Uh, my website, where it's a lot of a lot of statistics I put up now. My daily starting pitcher report is up there, uh, as are uh, my, my daily reports for the NBA, uh, the statistical numbers, uh, and that is www. I don't need to say it, but I did thelogicalapproach.com. Uh, there's a complimentary selection up there as well. But just go down uh, to the buttons on the left hand side, current stats, and you'll see that. Uh, haven't done much with uh, the other sports yet, uh, uh, but right now baseball on a daily basis. It's coming. Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com. Andy, thank you so much for your time and effort and information. We'll talk to you again in the not-too-distant future. Stay tuned. Cover continue after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home 
stretch of Cover It With Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to check out tomorrow's show before it airs huh, on Sirius XM Channel 159 right here on Sports Grid, download the podcast version of Cover It With Teddy Covers, available wherever you download your podcast, all major podcast outlets, minor podcasts, wherever you're downloading them from. Just search Cover It. You can download and consume this show, tomorrow's show, and every show I've ever done. You go back to the archives, literally, there's hundreds of shows uh, for Sports Grid. You can download and consume at your convenience. Just search Cover It, and you can get the podcast version. I encourage you to take advantage. The best thing about that is, of course, you'll get the ding every time you get new episodes get posted, so you get them right away. I'm going to give you an MLB opinion for Saturday. This one really stands out to me. It stood out to me yesterday, and it stands out to me again today. I had Cincinnati plus at the plus price yesterday in Chicago against the Cubs. I understood I was betting against Steele, and Steele is the Cubs' ace. Didn't matter. He got lit up. The Reds can hit. The Cubs can't. The Rebs are in decent current form. The Cubs aren't. In fact, Cincinnati, each of their last two road trips, started with a pair of wins. Lo and behold, <laughs> this is game number two. Uh, of their current road trip at Chicago. And we got the Cubs laying a price here. Tie on for Chicago. We talk about starting pitchers that have done well versus haven't this year. You look at the least profitable starters in MLB. Tie on is at or near the top. You know, he hasn't been as bad as Jordan Lyles. No, I'm with you. Uh, but Cubs are 0-7 in his previous seven starts. Minus seven units. He hasn't been favored in any of them. They're favored here. I'm not buying it. Give me Cincy. Look at the lineup. That then Cubs just aren't playing good baseball right now. They're not playing good, well enough to lay this kind of a price to anybody, let alone a division rival who wins, wins at Wrigley with consistency. So I'm looking at the Reds at the plus price at Wrigley. There's a free MLB opinion for Saturday. Thanks so much for listening. Best of luck with all your wagers. We'll be back right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network tomorrow with another episode of Coverage with Teddy Coverage.